Carl, are you poised to start the recording? Perfect. Here we go. So uh, welcome to Dojo Universe. I think this is episode 35, I think. So we've been doing this for quite a while now. And we have a very special guest today by the name of Alan McKenzie, who's there uh, in your video there. And Alan has put together a, a book of um, Cape Breton music, I guess you could say. And um, it's it's got a name that I can't really pronounce. So I don't know, Alan, can you give us a little bit of an introduction to the book? Absolutely, Andrew. Thank you for having me on. Um, the title of the book in the Gaelic language is Kokrunyakug Zakunyak, which translates to the Mackenzie Collection. And uh, Lure Ahaun is the volume one, and I call it in English pipe music from Cape Breton and away, because that's a bit of a, a, an expression. People are either from there. Oops, did I, uh, I might have accidentally. There, or they're from away. Right. So it's just a little play on words. Uh, okay, back. Sorry, sorry about that, Alan. I was, just gonna, I was just going to hold up a picture of the book here so people know what we're looking at, uh, which is right there. Excellent. Okay, and this is um, um, a collection of 100 pieces of pipe music that is good for other uh, instruments as well. Uh, fiddle, guitar, piano, or dobro, or uh, uh, bazooki, or any other instrument that's interested in this sort of culture. But the, of the 100 tunes, uh, a third of them are mine, a third of them are arrangements of old traditional tunes by me, and the other third are donations from uh, other, other pipers and instrument, uh, instrumentalists. So it's, um, and it's done in the finale font, and, uh, and I'm ho hoping that people will enjoy the uh, the uh, the clarity of the of the text of the music text on the page. Yeah, well, it's In certainly uh, it's certainly very clear, and I, I definitely recognize uh, the the finale here because we use that um, extensively in or and more. Um, what what are your thoughts on finale? Just just as a ge general, you know, how do you find the process of typing bagpipe tunes into that? I have, have taught myself to use Finale quite a few years ago, and, and um, I quite like it. It's, it's my, one of my favorite music programs because I have tried a few others that, that uh, require you to learn a, uh, another language and then run it to let it translate into music. Um, you know, A1 stroke 8 equals an A eighth note. Um, right. So I, I prefer when you can see the notes and drag them and drop them on the screen. Its only drawback is that it's it's for orchestras and large bands, and it's not really designed to do uh, burls, doublings, uh, throws, shakes, um, and you have to build those uh, each time. Now, maybe the newer versions can do that automatically, but uh, my older version, uh, I have to build, say, a four-noted burl. I have to build it with four notes and then make it grace notes. But other yeah. than that, I do uh, appreciate the text. Oh, excellent. Well, it'd be interesting. I mean, um, it'd be interesting to see... Because I, I use Finale a lot, and it's certainly by far, you know, it looks the best, for in my opinion, and it also, it's the most versatile. So if I want to write, you know, um, if I want to write for another instrument, or if I want to write, or, or rather, if um, if the leading drummer wants to put the drumming music in, you can do that all in one place, which is why we really like it. But on the other hand, it's, you know, like you said, you know, you have to, you have to invent, innovate ways to, uh, uh, to in input it better. Anyway... Um, maybe we could uh, share finale tricks sometime. But back to the topic at hand, 
Um, can you tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, your book and what, you know, how did, how did the idea to make the book begin? And then tell, tell us a little bit about, you know, the inspiration behind it and then the processes that you had to go through in order to, to uh, realize it. Okay. Um, piping is uh, a big thing in my family. I have uh, a couple of brothers and several nephews who all play. Uh, probably the most famous of which is Matt McIsaac, uh, is one of my nephews, uh, who's a fairly well-known uh, player. Oh. Um, but we were uh, uh, grandsons of a pipe major from the Second World War of the Cape Breton Highlanders, the pipe major John A. Black Jack McDonald, um, who's featured on the on the front cover of the book. And, and um, he, although he died before I was born, he was quite well known uh, and famous in, in certainly in the Nova Scotia area, but he, but all across Canada, and certainly known uh, in the uh, Cape Breton folk. Uh, music scene, if you will, back in the day, uh, as well as well, the military uh, side of things. So um, the um, he, he was sort of the inspiration. My mother was actually a chanter player, uh, but then she sort of gave it up when my brothers and I started to play. But I, I didn't see it until I was uh, playing for about 10 years, So because I grew up in a rural area. Um, so I, I really uh, didn't get into the pipe band world until until I moved to uh, Ontario and uh, played with a few bands around Ottawa and Toronto area. And also uh, I moved back to Halifax and played with the then the Halifax Police and the, the soon to be the 78th uh, Highlanders Halifax Citadel. Now, my, my uh, bandmates at the time, several of which were uh, from Cape Breton, we uh, used to gather and share tunes. And, uh, and I just said, well, I've got enough gathered to start to put this into uh, a book of its own. So I was glad to get a few donations from other other uh, players, plus a, a little bit of help with the uh, traditional arrangements from some guitar and fiddle players as well. Excellent. Excellent. Um, are, are all the arrangements for bagpipe, or are they all they they appear for other instruments as well? No, it's all written in bagpipe uh, music. Uh, but what I've noticed about the other uh, musicians is they're they're quite uh, versatile at reading the pipe music. Um, more so than a piper is, is at reading other music. Excellent. You know, one of the things I've noticed as well and, uh, is that you use different uh, key signatures uh, for different tunes, which, um, you know, like uh, some are in the usual D, D major and then there are others. Is that, is that to help other instruments uh, decipher what they're looking at a bit? That's true. That's exactly what it's for. Most, most, a lot of pipe tunes are in A major. Uh, or in D major, and many are in B minor. And as we go through a few tunes, um, we'll, I'll, I'll give, I'll tell which key I, I believe it to be in. Even though it's not exactly in that key uh, from another instrument's point of view, it does allow an accompanist, like a piano player, uh, to uh, to be able to accompany at, uh, and chord at the, uh, at, the, at the proper key. Even if the piano player has to go up more on the flats on the black keys, um, it, it at least gives them a, uh, a head start whether this is an A, ma a major. A minor, B minor, or D, or even G, or some E minor tunes. Excellent. That's really cool. Um, well, let's do this then. Let's. Uh, why don't we look at some of the tunes that you uh, that you brought forward for today, and maybe you could talk about a few of them. Um, I'm switching the view here. And then, Alan, would would you mind if maybe we'll turn off your webcam because we're getting a little bit of connection glitch here. 
um, which means other folks might be as well. So, uh, uh, but the audio will still be fine. So we'll just turn that off. Okay, and I'm clicking stop webcam. No, you're all set. I, I, I did it for you. I have the magical, oh. magical button. I'd also be interested in hearing some of the some of the stories behind some of the tunes and where you know where they, where you got them and sort of their their origin points, if you will. You know, whether it's the traditional okay. ones or. Okay, absolutely. Well, I, I, I picked a few and that are all on this PDF file, and uh, I'll go through them. Um, maybe not all of them, but mo uh, several of them are from each uh, each uh, rhythm or idiom. Um, the first one you can see on the page is Father John Angus Rankin. He was a, uh, a local uh, clergyman in, in Cape Breton who used to organize a group of 100 fiddlers who would get together every July and play a particular concert and several other concerts as well, but one particular concert in a little village called Glendale in Cape Breton. And um, so this tune is a name for him by a, the late, great Jerry Holland fiddler. Um, who passed away from cancer a couple of years ago. And uh, this is a, a very light, easy little march. Um, it's, it's kind of in the modern fiddle context, almost in the old-fashioned quick-step uh, idiom, because you don't hear quick-steps uh, that much anymore. There are a few, like uh, the, the Henderson's March or Cameron quick-step, but this is, this is in my mind, a, a, a quick-step in itself. But it's... it's um, it's really at a slower uh, tempo than, than a lot of the quick steps. So I'm just going to play a few bars of it and, and s see if people will get the idea. Now people ask, well, is this Cape Breton music? What is Cape Breton music? Well, this is a Cape Breton fiddle tune, a fairly modern uh, composition, but it, um, it fits well on the pipes. And, and the, like I say, the fiddlers can play pipe tunes very readily. Uh, unfortunately, we pipers can't play all the fiddle tunes for a couple of reasons, scale range reasons, and and also we're not taught to read their music as much. So here, here goes uh, a, a try at Father John Angus Rankin. Is that clear? Yep, that sounds great. Yeah. So quite quite a simple little uh, two four melo uh, medley melody and um, but it's it's you know not too quick uh, nice easy tempo and uh, this this tune became very very popular amongst the uh, the fiddlers or as I like I like to call them Cape Breton violin players um, and uh, the pipers have taken this on because it's because it's quite e quite an easy tune and it fits the scale perfectly second part yeah. goes like this. And so on. So it's a it's a nice little tune. And uh, yeah, I, I, I see what you mean about the, the extra the quick step style. It's a lot of a lot of the old two four march. A lot of the current two four marches that we play now started their life as a as a sort of a simple quick step, kind of like in this vein, you know. And then somebody along the way just filled it with all kinds of uh, rhythms and embellishments. <laughs> and, uh, exactly. It, it became a competition thing uh, rather than a, a dancing or just a listening entertainment thing. So. You know, or, or or more so a martial thing where the army had to march to it, um, mm -hmm. and and it took on a different style instead of just a music for the sake of it. Gotcha, that's a, that's very cool. 
I, I noticed that like occasionally, like uh, you know, like here for example, um, you're actually dotting the low A there and cutting it as opposed to, um, you know, and and would that suggest that you know maybe you could go either way with some of the the cut dot figures at times? What I could say about that is it's it's almost up to the it's almost up to the player, and there's there's a, a lot of leeway given here. You could go da da or da da da. Right. You could go dot, uh, cut dot or dot cut, especially on introductory notes and that sort of thing. It's it leaves a bit of uh, it leaves a bit of uh, leeway up to the player. Now that's fine for the individual player or the player playing with an accompanist. However, we all know what pipe bands are like. You can't do it that way. You have to do it exactly the same. So once a pipe major decides to put a tune like this in his you know medley you know you have to be uh strict on how how it's uh how it's dotted and cut excellent well that's very cool shall we move on to the next one okay the next one is a very old tune uh that's known in the uh the william gunn collection from 1848 and it's also uh also in the william ross collection of the 1840s i think and wow. um but it was also known as the uh, the Taylor's Wedding, but um, I le only learned this in the 1980s or 90s, uh, and and we called it the next wedding I go to will be my own, and I think that's a uh, uh, a direct Gallic translation because you know often when you translate from another language, uh, it doesn't uh, it, it's it's not a simple one or two word title. <coughs> but and and the other thing uh, that's different about this tune is that. Parts one and part two are in reverse order compared to what's in the William Gunn collection from the 1840s. I don't know why, but it just is. Uh, it goes like this. Again, another fairly easy little six eight, um, but you notice the key change from one tune, well, sorry, one part to the other. Uh, you know, the the, the second part uh, heavy on the heavy on the low G, and um, but it all it ends up in the same key, being in uh, in uh, kind of an A minor sort of style. Right. And you'll, no you'll notice you don't you don't see the uh, sharp marks on, on there because it is A minor, and when you do A minor, it doesn't it comes out with uh, with no sharps or flats written. Exactly, and then when you know when if you were to play with an accompanist, um, for the sharps to be there, you know would would definitely cause the tune to be in the wrong flavor. So I think that's really cool how you've done that. So um, yeah, I, I quite like that one. And that's, that's, so that's those, a sort those of hallmark are, of Cape Breton music, isn't it? Where's the word pipers or violin players are all accompanied by somebody, something or other, isn't it? That that's very true. It, it, you know, you, you will see a piper playing by himself, but often it's it's a little two or three person kind of uh, impromptu folk group, if you will. You know, you right. might have and the poor the poor accompanist, like the piano players, like Mac Moran or uh, or you know Wendy McIsaac or some of these people end up uh, being on the stage for a whole two or three hour concert for almost every every player, whether fiddler, piano player, guitar player, because they need the accompaniment, the company is all the way along. 
Excellent. Um, you want to, and that, so those are a couple of a couple of marches uh, that appear here. If we could just move on to the stress phase, if sure. you scroll up to the next page, the the one called nameless, uh, this bottom half of the page, is um, is an old old tune that is heard in had been heard in Scotland, but was kind of lost in Scotland, and then was uh, but carried on in Cape Breton from the late 1700s, early 1800s of the early immigrants um, in, into present day, um, heard on the violin quite a bit, but uh, also played on the pipes in that area. So <coughs> I'll just try to give it a go. So you can see that that has the uh, the strong weak medium weak uh, pulsing. Um, however, in Cape Breton, the the fiddle players might play it a little faster than that, and you'll lose some of the strong weak medium weak pulsing. But you have to remember the stress bays were, were created for for dancing, and there's two kinds of dancing for stress bays. There's the Highland dancing, the fling, the sword dance, that sort of thing, where strong weak medium weak is is very important. Uh, and then in, in the Cape Breton or, or in the uh, the Hebridean kind of uh, step dance style, um, you could play it faster and there'd be less pointing, but you could still get dancing rhythms um, in there. So that's an right. example of, 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 of that sort of stress bay. It's an interesting trade-off, and, and we talk about this a lot at Dojo U classes that we teach. You know, it, it's a trade-off, right? So the greater the tempo, um, the less uh, dynamic contrast you're going to be able to show on the bagpipe. And you're sort of alluding to it a little bit there. And it's not to say that it's better or worse either way, but um, it's something you have to be sensitive to. And uh, it's interesting that you should bring it up. So so um, the faster uh, Cape Breton style that you're referring to there would have less of that strong, weak, medium, weak, um, sort of dynamic contrast type thing. Um, are we on the same page there, do you think? Yeah, absolutely, and and, uh, and 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 like you say, not that either style is wrong, but it's important to recognize that there are different styles of playing stress phase. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And, and and that's a good segue into uh, the next page. If you want to move the move to the next page. Alrighty. The next page, the uh, the top tune is called traditional Cape Breton stress bay. I'm not going to play that one too much, but there is quite a note. Uh, below that, and I can I can read that, and then I want to play a little bit of the second stress bay. Now the first one is is a, a very old traditional tune, and the second one is a is a modern tune, but they're the same the same idiom, and and I've I call them here slow stress bays, and I'm and I'm talking about 86 plus or minus beats to the minute. Um, so if you'll bear with me, I'll read the note um, that I've put in in uh, between these two stress bays. It is said that the slow stress bay was adopted by the great entry violinist composer William Marshall, born in 1748. Uh, in uh, more modern times, pipers and pipe bands have used stress bay for competitions and highland dancing, employing strict tempos and rhythms. 
Uh, further, Cape Breton musicians have used it as a uh, brisk uh, at brisk tempos for step dancing. However, the slow stress bay allows the time signature to be enjoyed just for its listening pleasure. This tune was played by Mary McDonald, who's, who was born Mary Alistair Ronald Beaton in 1897. Note the key change in the second turn. And now I say second turn, that's a phrase they use for second part. Uh, or in Scotland, they'd say second measure. Um, but I'll play a little bit of the next one, the, the one called Paul Kays, and that's for a guy named Paul Kavanaugh McNeil, um, who's a piper with a couple of CDs out and uh, quite a good, uh, he did the, the pipe band thing, but now plays uh, strictly folk music with his piano player wife, Tracy Dares. Written by uh, another piper, Jamie McGinnis, who came from a very musical family of both pipers and fiddlers and piano players, uh, um, and a brilliant composer. So here's Paul Kays in slow tempo. <clears throat> that that's uh, you know significantly slower than the uh, than the average stress bay. Yeah. But uh, it's and, and so you wouldn't want a step dancer a step dancer to try to dance to that tempo, nor would you want to do a Highland dance to that tempo. Yeah, I I, I definitely have heard grade one bands playing this. Uh, I can't put yeah. my finger on which ones. Um, obviously, probably would have been a little faster. But uh, do you know which bands have played this, Alan? Um. I know that Reed Maxwell took a few of these tunes out to Sam, Simon Fraser, uh, and also I think the uh, Michael Gray has uh, been influenced by uh, this music somewhat, and he and he's brought music to a lot of the Grade One bands around Toronto. So, Fraser's or Peel or so I can't uh, can't tell you exactly which. And I'm having a computer problem. Are you? Uh, we're okay so far. Um... We're still hearing you okay. It was, I think, no, okay, it was just my screensaver, come on. Okay, uh, yeah, so shall I move on? Sure, this is great, let's keep going. Um, okay, the next one is, now I'm going to move, move on to reels. This one is a, uh, a fairly new tune in, in B minor um, called Evie's Toe Tapper. Now, Evie is a, was a McDonald uh, girl who was the sister of the composer. Uh, the composer is Howie McDonald. Uh, a great Cape Breton uh, violin player, about, uh, I don't know, he's about my age, maybe slightly younger. And uh, he wrote this tune, and it's really quite a lively tune, but it's in B minor. And it's uh, it's got a lot of double strikes and things in it, but it's a nice little tune. So it's it, what it does is it shows the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the composing uh, prolificness uh, of, of some of these fiddlers and shows that it's, you know, uh, adaptable to the pipes uh, quite readily. But like I say, not all fiddle tunes are adaptable. So here's uh, Evie's Toe Tapper. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so that's cool. Evie's toe tapper, a B minor reel, but that would typically be uh, followed by, say, an A major uh, reel, or, or definitely have a key, uh, you know, a key change. And what typically happens in a in a dance hall or a concert setting is when you you know play so many tunes in one key and then switch to to another key, that's when you get a cheer from the crowd, <laughs> provided you're, provided you're playing reasonably well. It's a good thing to remember. <laughs> so two or three tunes in one key, then switch to another key, and then you'll get the crowd's attention. And that, that's used to great effect, especially with the violin players. Very cool. Yeah, that, that is great. Um, I could move on if you want to move to the next page. The next page, uh, there's a, a Scott Skinner tune named The Gladstone, and Andrew, you had mentioned uh, uh, that J. Scott Skinner, uh, actually a contemporary of uh, G.S. McLennan's, I think. Uh, yes, definitely. He, um, he's composed a lot of great tunes for the, for the violin, uh, but a lot of them are uh, very good uh, on the pipes. So this is a great little reel that, that uh, I first heard from a, a, a late 80s, early 90s CD by the the great Irish group called Alton, and they played it in their Irish flavor and and um, played it at quite a high tempo. Um, at the time, we took it uh, and put it in a medley in in with the Halifax band under Doug Boyd at the time, uh, and um, and we put it in, into a medley and and made quite good use of it and got good comments from a lot of judges on it because they hadn't heard it. So I'll just give uh, this one a go, but it's a it's a Scott Skinner tune. Played by that was arrangement by an Irish band that was taken to Nova Scotia by Modern Media and played in the medley and and then it's since got used by a few others. Um, so let me give it a go. Here it is. Exactly as written. Yeah, that's a gem. That's that's outstanding. That is pretty cool. Got to give it to Jay Scott Skinner, man. <laughs> the second, the second line, and I'm just gonna go over the second line again. Let's start again. Now that that's a classic phrase. That that is really, really good, and and you don't see a lot of that. You see that in some pipe tunes, but but it, it's uh it's probably more common on the violin yeah well i mean it requires generally speaking a run like that requires a wider range than the bagpipe would usually have but this um you know this particular key and tune lends itself well to that you know it reminds me of um it reminds me of the hawk which as far as i know is also cape breton inspired you know there's a line at the end of that which is uh <laughs> You know, just where it's sort of it's able to work its way all the way down the scale really nicely like that. Absolutely, yeah. And so it, you know, it's quite effective. And and I, I wish I would have picked more Scott Skinner tunes, but that's that's the only Scott Skinner tune that I have. But he's really, uh, you know, 
obviously a very prolific composer and uh, now the other thing uh, and i don't know this could be myth or uh if fact but i i'm pretty sure the tune uh the strass bay king was written uh you know referring to j scott skinner oh yeah Definitely. Well, G.S. McClendon and J. Scott Skinner were, were good friends, um, I think, yes. around the same crowd. So that is very true. Yep. It is, I think it is definitely truth. Yeah, yes, so... Uh, I, I know it as well, yeah. It's very cool. Yeah, it's just one of those names that I, I'm really... Uh, I always gravitate towards his name when I hear... Well, that was, that was his nickname, I think, among among the uh, the Highland artists, the dancers, and the musicians. I think they called him the stress baking on the side, you know. I think that's part of the lore. Great. Um, if you scroll down to the next uh, page. Alrighty. Now the, um, the the tune on top is called. The translation is quite literal. It's just real Cape Breton or Cape Breton real. That's just the, a Gaelic spelling of it. But uh, this is an example of a tune that was brought um, from the from the high. Um, Highlands of Scotland, to Cape Breton, used in Cape Breton, lost in Scotland, then brought back to Scotland, um, and and went so it sort of went back and forth. So now you hear Scottish bands playing it and referring to it as a Cape Breton tune, but it was originally a Scottish Highland tune. So real Cape Breton, and then my Gaelic is not so good, but Cape Breton would be the uh, the the E A in 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 Breton would have. Uh, Syllable split there. Um, here it is. So, um, quite a nice tune, and also in, uh, you know, in that uh, light reel kind of flavor, where you get a, a, quite a contrast from the first part to the second part, from lower hand to upper hand, but a lot of tunes are like that. Yeah, I find, I find it interesting, a lot of these old reels, uh, especially in the older collections, they have, they're, they're often, if they're not only eight bars, they have, there's four bars of first part, and then there's a sort of a second part that has a turn, for a sort of second timing, if you will, you know, it's, and it's a very common thing across a lot of these reels where they have like sort of here's here's your here's your main line, and then they have this sort of surprise at the end, you know, where they sort of throw in the see these endings. That's true, very very true. And if I could comment on that, I think I know the uh, a reason for that. It's not the only reason. A lot of reels, and and some stress phase, uh were originally based on on the uh, Gaelic singing, the walking songs, W A U L K. Ing, walking songs, or in Cape Breton we call them milling songs. Uh, the and that's the way the the uh, those those particular pieces of music were were structured. There was a there was a chorus and verse, chorus and verse, chorus and verse, and they're usually quite short, like like a like a reel is. Uh, you know, and and you'd have one presenter giving giving the uh, the verse, and everybody would join in on the chorus. So the verse might be a little longer, and if it was put to words, you know, it might have phrase or a story and then everybody would join in on the on the repeat of the first part mm. so that's why it's quite a quite a, sh a short uh, a short um, chorus with a slightly with a doubly long verse 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot, and you see here, you see this a lot of in you know, folk bands as well. I mean, they'll they'll play some of these little reels um, back to back for you know three or four minutes, um, you know, in, with just sort of slight changes in arrangement or accompaniment. Um, and and what you're saying is that it sort of it sort of speaks to that where you have this long song where you have a chorus verse chorus verse chorus verse and this this is just one piece of it you know the, the here's you have your your chorus and then you have your verse but if you play this tune back to back you get the the sort of musical rhythm going that accompanies the song you know that's right and if you had a, a group of singers they would have different words in every in every verse so it would sound different because you would have different uh, different lyrics it's interesting. Uh, I've got a, two more quick little uh, reels, and then uh, and only one jig, unfortunately. Uh, the the next one, if you scroll down, this is a uh, a very old, originally song, and I've put song intentionally so that somebody doesn't uh, say, well, aren't they tunes? But tunes be, were often taken from songs, um, and vice versa sometimes. But this is very old. It's called Shalavkuri Yoan, which translates as "Look at Yuan's coracle." And the coracle is a small boat, uh, usually made uh, usually a small little frame boat for one man with a uh, with a uh, uh, hide-covered skin. Now, was it were you looking at it in dismay because of its poor condition, or was it such such an amazing boat that everyone wanted to look at it? <laughs> oh, yeah, good question. Well, well said. Well said. Yeah. Uh, I don't know the answer to that. It's just, hey, look at it. <laughs> <laughs> look at that. <laughs> yeah, look at that in amazement. That's what. It... <laughs> so let me give uh, this one a try. And and uh, I I put traditional song sung by Mrs. Annie or not. And I said of Lewis Scotland, and I was corrected by uh, Alan McDonald of Glenuig, uh, who who I know quite well. And and he said no, actually she was from Sky. I thought she was Lewis. That she was a sky lady, and uh, I'm not sure if she's still living. She may be, uh, but her singing on an old cassette tape that I had heard, and um, this is, it's quite a nice song. But the the cassette tape was a bit uh, scratchy, we'll say. But here's the tune. <laughs> so on. It goes into a third and a fourth part. Uh, slight key change in the third. And then the fourth, I think, was... Uh, I think I, I... I don't remember where I got the fourth part. I think I might have just put it together based on what I knew from the first three parts. But certainly the... Uh, the third part is kind of a key change of the first part, in a way. So, so really, it's there's not a lot of, of, of structure to it. It just modified a little bit. There's really only... You know, a four-bar, a four-bar first part and a four-bar second part. The rest is just modification. Excellent. That's so a really cool tune. That's really nice. Yeah, I, I, I like it, and it's in, uh, you know, it's in uh, B minor again, and it's, uh, I really like the B minor tunes. That, that's gotta, that's gotta my personal preference. Yeah. yeah, gotta love it. The, the um, if you want to scroll down. Uh, to the next page. Uh, yeah, the next page, it, you can't read the PDF very well, but this tune is called The Stone Frigate. Uh, 
Now this this is composed by a pipe major, a Canadian Army pipe major named Donnie Kerrigan. Uh, he's passed away, oh maybe ten years ago now, uh, but he passed away relatively young after he retired from the military. And he, uh, you know, he was from Nova Scotia, but he wasn't ingrained in the Cape Breton style. Um, but he wrote this little tune for the Stone Frigate, and the Stone Frigate is actually a building, not not a not a frigate. And it's a building at the military college, the Royal Military College in Canada, which is the equivalent of West Point. Uh, and the Stone Frigate is one of their main residence buildings. And he wrote this tune for there because I think their band room was right below the Stone Frigate, and they used to wake up all the uh, other non-musical uh, officer cadets. So he wrote this tune, but this, but the the thing about this tune is not so much that Donnie wrote it and 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 that it's not a bad little tune, but it's an example of a modern reel from from an army style piper, which became popular among the Cape Breton fiddlers because this was picked up by by a fiddler named Glenn Graham in Cape Breton, and he started playing it one summer, and he played it and played it, and suddenly the next summer all the young fiddlers were playing it, and it became a, a, a stalwart part of their repertoire. And I was quite flattered to see that a tune came came out from my book and, and got back into the Cape Breton uh, uh, fiddle repertoire. So I'll just play it. And and so fairly modern. He would have composed that maybe in the late eighties, early nineties, and then uh, and then a book, and then into the two thousands, it was picked up by the fiddlers and, and, and gets played quite a bit. So uh, you know, I, I, it's it's quite a nice little tune. So a modern tune, uh, but brought back to the to a different uh, uh, group of musicians. Yeah. And one more, one more. Uh, if you scroll down, right there. This one is called McDonald of Harlaw's March to the Wars. It's also uh, it's also known as um, uh, the Battle of Harlaw, uh, and it's it's in several of the older books. And many of you may know that the Battle of Harlaw was uh, in the year 1411. So this was written about a battle. We don't know exactly if it was written during the or right after the battle or, or, or when, if it was sometime afterwards, but certainly one of the older tunes. The only dates that you see that precedes 1411 for tunes is if you go to some of the Peabrooks in the uh, in the Peabrook Society collection you'll, uh, or other collections, you'll see some 1395 tunes, which pre precedes this tune. But this is one of the oldest um, tunes that I know of in light music. Now it was it was a march to the wars. This was you know used as a march, and it's played in some of the books. I think maybe Donald McLeod or Willie Ross collections or somewhere. It's it's in one of those books, but as a march. But it's been taken up by the pipers and fiddlers in Cape Breton since a generation or two uh, as a jig, and uh, so played quite quite uh, light, not very much embellishment on it, quite easy, just uh, you know some burls in there, but otherwise just a few bass notes. So it goes like this. Now remember, this was a 1411 battle march tune that's now being used as a jig. So, you know, tunes are adaptable. Uh -huh. 
And that's, that's, that's a jig that I, I tend to uh, play with a group of jigs. If I'm playing, uh, in, you know, in a concert or a, or, a, or a Kaylee or a party or anything, I tend to play uh, a group of jigs and end with that one. Um, and it's a G, uh, a G tune, and uh, it's easy to play, easy to learn, and it just has, to me, it's just just flows and, and, and fits nicely after almost any other tune with a nice key change. That's great. So yeah, nice. that's that's all I have for uh, for sample tunes. Yeah, thanks very um, much for doing that. I mean, um, it's great to see some of these tunes. And, and I was just, you know, I um, Alan, Alan and I, well, I guess we didn't, I, I think you met Mark at Kansas City, but Mark passed along this book to me. And, um, and I sort of had it on my to-do list. Then as soon as I looked through it, I mean, it's uh, it's really, really refreshing to have a book with so many tunes that are, you know, um, that I'm interested in, in playing. I feel like, and, and I, I mean this respectfully, of course, but um, yeah, I feel like a lot of tunes have duds in them, you know, that aren't as, that don't hold up with the other ones. Uh, and this, and this well, book, I, I think this, this book in particular is like, it's just sort of, it's it's sort of hung on a, on, on old tradition on an old tradition, music tradition, it's just, and it's sort of like the parts from there, and I think it's, I think that's what makes it really good. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, there's, there's some of this stuff is just, there's really not reason to, uh, to turn it away, which I think a lot of the modern collections tend to do. They turn, turn away the traditions in, for the sake of something new, and they're forgetting that you can make some of this old stuff really new again, <laughs> you know. Well, thank you very much for that. I'm, I'm, I'm flattered. The, uh, I do have volume two uh, on a memory stick, uh, thumb drive ready to uh, ready to produce but uh, I'm a few steps away from going to the printers but I have another uh, collection volume two with another hundred tunes uh, I've had it proofread by a few different pipers and I, I also get other musicians to proofread besides pipers that's a great idea because we, we we're sometimes blind to errors just because we're used to the you know the yeah. process of, of it so um, some people have been asking first of all um, Someone was asking how John McLean is doing. So, so oh, John! Uh, John McLean is mentioned in this book. John helped me proofread and, and, and helped me a lot. John is a good friend of mine. Um, since I've moved to the states, I haven't been in very close touch with him, but I, I, I think he's doing okay, as far as I know. Um, if someone wants to email me privately, I'd be glad to discuss further. Yeah, and the, the other question is whether or not the dojo carries this book. We uh, we've been uh, talking with Alan and and uh, you know he'll be sending us books uh, shortly. I think we'll place an order with him in the next couple of days, and it's already up on the site. So you know um, you can order it now. Uh, in the I, I just put the link there, and um, and we'll be you know what we'll do is we'll see we'll see how many people order today after the show, and then we'll make sure uh, to order the number that we need from Alan and have them sent down to us. Um, does that work for you, Alan? I mean, I guess we could talk business. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Probably, yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. We'll do that. But that should work well. Um, and uh, yes, as far as I know, I don't. Are, is anyone else carrying the book, Alan, or or is it maybe a little bit something that you're just doing? Independent? Well, it's out of it's. Uh, a few years ago, I had it in a lot of different uh, places. Uh, Scots Highland Imports in London, Ontario. Uh, recently, though, I think uh, John Maffet at Piper's Hut. Uh, I think he still has some. 
and uh, and another guy in Carolina. I can't remember his name right now. One of the one of the guys that does the uh, the Southern games for for uh, oh, yeah. distributed. Uh, but John, certainly, I think Piper's Hut has them. Excellent. Well, uh, uh, and well, we're going to have them soon too. So, uh, yeah. so that'll be good. Um, great. But well, uh, I mean, yeah. uh, uh, sorry, Alan, go ahead there. No, 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 no. That's no, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm finished. Okay. Well, um, this I think this has been great. This has been really, really cool. I'm really glad we were able to do this. Um, does anyone out there? out there have questions for Alan in regards to the book before we uh, you know before we wrap up um, I'll definitely yeah the series asking whether or not we'll teach some of these at dojo U, and the answer is yeah I think so definitely yeah it's, it's funny I mean, Cape, Breton, Cape Breton piping was in was in vogue uh, quite a while ago I mean a lot of the Ontario bands were uh, you know adopting some of these tunes and throwing them into medleys and and whatnot, and and sort of faded from uh, the trend, sort of like abated, and then it was you know back to sort of hardcore <laughs> Scottish stuff, I guess, and Irish stuff took on uh, a new uh, interest for a lot of these bands. But uh, it's good to see a Cape Breton collection that's coming out that could re re reignite that interest, you know. Well, the uh, I think Michael Gray had a lot to do with sharing between Cape Breton and and the Ontario uh, world. You know, Michael has quite an influence on the. Uh, on, on, on getting tunes out there, and also Reed Maxwell, a drummer, <laughs> brought a lot of them to uh, to uh, to the West Coast, to the Simon Frasers and the and the Triumph Streets and those kind of people, and Bob Worrell as well. I see Bob. Somebody just wrote Bob Worrell, but yeah, Bob Worrell spent a lot of time uh, teaching in Cape Breton. But uh, the uh, I'd, I'd I'd give Michael Gray the uh, a lot of uh, a lot of thanks for 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 bringing these this style of tunes around. Yeah, excellent. Um, and uh, <laughs> yes, and it's a labor of love to produce a book for sure, um, as well. So I uh, I definitely agree with Siri there. Well, let's um let's not uh, you know um, take too much of your time, Alan, and and just uh, from the dojo, thank you very much for contributing this, and uh, we look forward to uh, seeing, and maybe we'll do a show on volume two when it comes out. Um, hope, uh, if I was on my game, I'd have it out this coming spring. I hope to do that, but it's not that far away. Excellent. Superb. Well, um, thank you very much, and I guess that should do it for today's show. And uh, um, if you have any questions for Alan, you can always let me know, and I'll, I'll send them on to him. Yeah, I'm pleased to share my email address. There's no problem there, the Gmail account. Perfect. Great. Thanks a lot. Uh, All right. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank and, you, uh, folks. Thanks for having me. And however you say that in Gaelic, of course, is what I meant to say. <laughs> tapalet. Ta as, as Lisa Babel says, tapalet. Ah, excellent. There you go. <laughs> uh, and, for Patricia and Patricia Elliott saying, Bimiga uh, Fanken, which is, uh, I'll be seeing you, I think it means. Excellent. <laughs> Great. Great. All right, everybody. All right, well, have a good day, everybody. Thank you okay, very thank much. Okay, thank you. See you guys. Bye.